Welcome to episode 107 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Jackson Hole Wine Club. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash TLS to learn more. Hello from Jackson Hole, I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide today. Each week I sit with someone connected to Jackson Hole to share their fascinating story about daily life. I feel we have an opportunity to learn so much from each other. And I intend to search out people with fascinating, interesting stories that I can learn from as well as you. Today's guest is Jim Darwich. He's an outstanding family guy, long-standing community leader, fabulous entrepreneur, husband, father, and grandfather. Jim shares with us his story, how he found Jackson Hole, and why he decided to call this place his home for the past 40 years. When Jim arrived in this community, he saw something special which inspired him to actively participate in the community and to always give back to this town we love so much called Jackson. Jim's insight about life and people is thoughtful and caring, one which I know you will enjoy listening to and learning from just as much as I did. Jim, thank you for joining me here this morning for the Jackson Hole Connection. It's an honor and a delight to get to sit down and, and visit with you for a little bit. Well, it's the pleasure is, is mine. I have uh, known you and I have seen you in Rotary Club meetings and, and I could read your uh, sincerity and your certain things in you, and but we never got to sit down together. So I'm very glad that this opportunity came about and if nothing else... We're going to walk away knowing a little bit about each other. So That's right. And this is more wealth to me, and I hope it will be to you. So It, it will be huge wealth and, and value to me, and I appreciate your time. You and your wife have been here in Jackson Hole for just a few years now. And I'd love for you to start off by telling us where you and your wife came from, how old you guys were, when you came here to Jackson Hole and how you kind of arrived here in Jackson Hole. I think it's a beautiful story. Small correction, I I wasn't married when I came to Jackson Hole. Okay. And then I I fell in love with this place. I stayed here. I stayed here for almost uh, one year and two summers. And then I decided to go back and seek my job uh, for to, to relate to my education. So I went to Seattle, and uh, and that's a good story. I could tell you the whole story, how this happened. And then I came back with my wife uh, in 81. Okay. And your wife's name is? Safa Darwish. Safa, okay. Yeah, not only my wife. She's my partner. Uh, Safa is like, I call her the broad shoulder that really supports the whole thing we do. Well, behind Family, it business everything well it's behind like, a great man is even a better woman oh always <laughs> but she's way better than the usual one <laughs> so where where did you move from where were you born and raised i was born and raised in lebanon mm-hmm. exactly southern lebanon mm-hmm. uh, and uh, i uh, i was uh, my growing up was really a unique uh, unique places. We, I was born between two towns, in the, and that was very unusual. Usually people are from this town or this town. And uh, I was uh, born uh, 
bit spoiled. My parents have lost like four kids before me, between me and my older brother. Mm. And uh, they, they raised them like two years old, three years old, then they die. And so I was a bit spoiled uh, when I was uh, growing up. And my dad always, uh, uh, he didn't think I would survive because, you know, he had experience losing those children. And at that time, I don't know what was the reason. Uh, snake bites uh, or whatever it is, I, I, they, didn't, they didn't know. So then when I grew up, I grew up uh, not too much uh, shelter. Uh, Then I left from my little town, my little hometown to Beirut uh, to go to school because my brother decided that the school now will be losing the good teachers. So that was in a uh, like secondary school that's about like grade eight or seven so i went to beirut to another ward different ward totally different and i was i had to face all uh, the the big city lifestyle you know people in beirut from all over the world sophisticated the smart the uh, different society and and then i i moved to Another school, then another school, then finally I end up in a school that it was like the meltdown from all over Lebanon. It's like technical school. So that's where I got my education in Lebanon, in a technical school, and uh, four years. And finally, at the end, I didn't want to take a job because I'm too young and too. I don't want to carry responsibility. So I decided to do something different and uh, I end up here in the U.S. going to school. So So you came over to the U.S. to attend a university level school? Uh, It wasn't true. Yes. Is that what it was? It is university, but I started with studying English as a second language. Okay. Then university. And Mm -hmm. I graduated in after four years and I, of course, you know, my goal was to go back and I did. And I went back to Lebanon and I worked for like almost a year with airline. Yeah, I graduated with uh, aeronautical engineering. Okay. From Northrop Institute, uh, which was the like the best school for uh, any job related to aircraft manufacturing or aeronautical or anything like that. Uh, so, and uh, I went back to Lebanon and I worked for almost a year. Then a civil war started. And during that civil war, I felt like I did not belong to the conflict at that time. And I have no business to be in there. And so I came back to the U.S. And when you came back to the U.S., where did you end up going? You have this beautiful... I I came back. I I spent most of that time in California. So I came back to the place I know, California, where Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends. And at that time, uh, aeronautical, they were not hiring anybody. I mean, they... Business was really almost Boeing that time. They had a sign that says, last guy, turn the lights off. You know, they were uh, letting people go. Mm. So for two years, I didn't, I work in a supermarket because that's where, while I was going to school, I paid my way working in a supermarket. So I did the same thing. And uh, after that couple of years, I came to Jackson and the same status was no jobs for you know, in the uh, aeronautical industry. Here in Jackson? Of course not, but 
the whole in the whole United States. So uh-huh. I decide to start a business in Jackson. So that's how. Oh, I love it. I love it. And that was about what year that, again, that you started that business? It was 1978, 79. Uh-huh. So, and uh, I was here in 78 in... Uh, the end of the season, and and uh, I rented. Uh, I learned about the place and so forth, and finally I came back in February and start building a business. That is a so many bold moves. Young, it's, leave your town where your family is, and go to the big city of Beirut and um, find your education and find your path, and then. Then decide I'm going to go to the U.S. and you're young still and willing to make these big jumps and these leaps and wow, what bravery! Um, it, it could be the lifestyle when I was a kid. You know, I was so protected, so sheltered. First of all, I lived between two towns, and all what I recall. Let me tell you a little bit about my. I was a little kid and I want to spend my day. So what do I do? There is a 500 years olive groves by us. Mm-hmm. So I would go and climb the groves and play under these trees and, and and watch. It was a road there by those trees. And you see people walking between the two towns. And, you know, you start throwing little rocks at the people or you listen to them or you call them, or, you know, you scream. So you see their attention. So watching people in a little when no kids to play with, so very few kids to play with. So then move to Beirut, it's like, to me, I want to get out to the next, what's the next? So, and I think I enjoy that, throwing myself to the next that it's unknown. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it builds your personality, you become like, uh, you know that there is resistance, you know that's not going to be comfortable, and how you're going to go through. So I did that a few times, I guess, in my life, yeah. Good for you. And well, I mean, not everybody is, is has that boldness and that bravery and willing to take that leap of faith to, to do something like that. And much less to come to Jackson Hole in, in the late 70s and start a business. So when you started your business, like you said, you came in the off season and you started building it in uh, February. I, I guess that's probably about 79 that you started building it. And summer didn't start until... Memorial Day, and here you're building a business, and it's and it's winter. Can you help describe to us what it was like to begin starting a business when there really wasn't much of an economy around here? Well, uh, it it's actually was seventy eight. Okay, my bad. My bad. That's okay. my apologies. Yeah, Thank no, you no, for no. clarifying. I, I wasn't. I said seventy eight because that's when I was here in Jackson. You know, there is two roads. Two roads to take. You, when you are uh, in a Lebanese culture or you go to school and you get educated and you usually work very hard at school and you become, you know, higher degrees with master's degree, doctor degree uh, or engineer or whatever. Or early enough, they realize that you're not a good for school and they put you in a profession or uh, in the field, you know. So because... I came to the U.S., I realized that people in business, they do way better than being an engineer. So always 
like, oh, you want to take a change of mind and go into business. So usually those type of people, they don't do very well like the other one. The other one who start early in business, they are very shrewd. They are very big. They make it big. They just, you know, their heart is for business and they don't care. Well, if you are educated and you have education, you have you always have that soft side, you know, you are afraid to make the bold moves. You are afraid to make the moves that, you know, you want to be safe, you know, because safety, it's, you know, uh, takes you where you want to go. So, so that's not, it wasn't easy decision and it wasn't an easy route to go back in business. So when I came to Jackson, because there's no jobs, I thought, yeah, I can do a little shop. And in fact, I built my first shop. It's called Crazy Horse. It's still till today. Mm-hmm. It, now it is in Gaslight Alley and there is a little sign. I painted that sign with my own hand. It's mm-hmm. still hanging by, by that shop and who, who end up to be... I was a partner with uh, Kizla Saivik. Kizla Saivik, a good friend from California, lifetime friend. And she's like the, the godmother for Sadek and Dorian. And uh, uh, when I came here and started a business, she came to Jackson and we became partner. And, and she ran this business till she, you know, till she sold it back to the family. But anyway, that's, uh, that's uh, how I started a business. I built the cases... Uh, the case is still sitting there. The cases were built from uh, uh, wood that uh, Levitt's uh, furniture store used to throw in the back of their store in L.A., picked up those pieces of wood and put them together to build cases and still exist. So, so it was a very low budget to start a little business. I, at that time, I didn't believe in... Uh, getting uh, things on consignment or loans because I was taught by my father it's never stretch yourself you only use your means so it's starting very hard very small start the second year in Jackson uh, second summer I did a sandwich shop was called hot dogs and hoagies it's another little business (laughs) (laughs) and I you know and my neighbor was uh, he used to cut hair, uh, hair uh, cut above. Mm-hmm. He owned that place, and he comes to me. He said, "Yeah, you know, you got to do those hot dogs, and in New York they do this and they do that." So, so we did hot dogs and hoagie, and we sold three sizes of hot dogs. One call we called it Mama Dog. It was a foot long. Uh, Papa dog was a quarter pound, and Baby dog was the little one. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Uh, who doesn't like a good hot dog? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, at the end of this summer, I met those two girls that uh, from Seattle that they were working like uh, housekeepers in a motel in town, and they said to me, you know, I get to meet them, and they come and you know they buy uh, food from sandwiches. And she said to me, Boeing are hiring now. My dad works for Boeing. I said really? I said she said yes. Yeah. So I left. I decided. The minute September came, you know, they left their car. I, I took my van and drove behind them and back through Washington, you know. And after three days trip, you know, visiting her grandpa and and uh, going to an Amish uh, Mennonite, sorry, not Amish, Mennonite uh, harvest festival. And, and finally to Seattle, to, the, to her house in Seattle and met her dad and he said yeah you could use my name for reference and go ahead and apply for Boeing and 
that was a new life, a new career. And how long were you in Seattle? Almost four years. Okay. Almost four years. Uh, and um, I, I came back. A good friend in Jackson kept uh, calling me John Love. John Love was a young man, and uh, we became very good friends because we were in the same business, and I used to send him customer, and he didn't understand that. How could you know somebody keep sending me customers? But I didn't have the things that people want. Mm-hmm. So we became very good friends. And so he called me and he said, Jimmy, it's about time to come back to Jackson. You are smart. You are good in business. What the hell are you doing in Boeing? I mean, you're going to be an engineer. Fine. But it's, I think. So, and I did come back with my wife. Then, by then I was married and I came back with Safa. Fascinating. Fascinating. I'll be right back with Jim after this quick message from the show's sponsor. The Jackson Hole Wine Club is the newest and most exciting wine club in Jackson Hole. Why is it the most exciting? Because we have wine and lots of it. We accept everyone as members, as long as you're of age and happy to pay. No application to qualify or waiting period. Looking for something exciting in your inbox each week? Sign up for the Jackson Hole Wine Club Wine of the Week. New and exciting wines at awesome value to enjoy every day at your house. Handpicked by our wine buyer, Kevin McNamara, these tantalizing treats are guaranteed to please your taste buds. Visit thejacksonholeconnection.com slash TLS to learn more. You and Safa raised a family here. Yes. You built some businesses yes. and raised a family. You have it's, how many children? Sadiq came. He was with us. He was nine months old when we came back from Seattle. So, uh-huh. And then the first thing when I came back, uh, I met this friend in Seattle working for Boeing and uh, everybody was working around me is like their dream to open a little business one guy who wants to do a meat pie shop like they do it in England and other guy this restaurant and so uh, while I was in Boeing that's what I said well I had a business I know how to do a business so I said what does Jackson need and at that time it used to Mary Piglets was the most famous business place I mean like the popular is that was a line always I said you know what maybe I can do Mexican food so here I goes Lebanese hot dogs and hoagies I want to turn it into Mexican food <laughs> but I want to learn how to cook Mexican food so I start in Seattle I start going to this restaurant that is the best Mexican food and a long story and I'm not gonna get to it I've Ask him if I could work there for a couple of weeks free, just and uh, he wouldn't hire me. He said to me, you know, that gonna maybe scare the people, and it's you know. Anyway, I came back ready with a logo, menu, and total real Mexican food, and I did come back and we opened Pedro's. Okay. We took the uh, the hot dogs and hoagie, and we did Pedro's Mexican food, which I sold uh, about three years later. Pedro's was an idea I want to do chain of it, mm-hmm. and uh, but it wasn't long till I realized I do have a family, I have a kids, and I can't run, you know, because of the distance. The next uh, location would have been Roxburgh, Idaho, which two hours from Jackson. I said, this is not going to work. I better, you know, and the idea was out of the window. And where did you go from there? I mean, you've done so much in this so, community. Yeah. So by the end of the first summer... I think we made fifteen thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So Safa, my wife, looked at me and she said, "Oh, we came back for this." 
I mean, here I was at Boeing making like almost $37,000 a year, $34,000 a year plus whatever, uh, overtime and all that. And she said, we came back for this. I said, that's what it is, honey. You know, it's, uh, it's okay. So by the end of the summer, that summer, the first year I remember put Sadek and Safa in a car and we drove to Glacier Park. Then we, we drove all the way through Seattle, back to California, back to Arizona, back here. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? You close in the winter. And, mm -hmm. and that year we decided to go to Africa. So we went to Africa right before Christmas and we spent three months in Africa in Côte d'Ivoire. Sadek was a baby. Uh, I remember uh, throwing his jacket uh, before we got to the airplane because we don't need his jacket anymore. <laughs> it's warm. Africa is warm. And and he he think, uh, you know, he lost his jacket at the airport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, went back to Lebanon and I came back with a better attitude. Going to Africa was a very good trip because I saw how people live and so I appreciated Jacksonville. And I remember when I came back, I was sitting in the park with a lady and talking about Africa and this. I said, I said, Africa, they, they have air conditioning everywhere they go. Every bedroom has air conditioning. The car gotta have air conditioning. I said, here is, you don't need air conditioning. Even mm -hmm. the park is air conditioned. Mm -hmm. I mean, so uh, I came back and immediately I rented another business it was where Jack Dennis, old Jack Dennis is, mm -hmm. upstairs. It was stores available, and I said, I need a space. I'm going to rent one. And they asked me, what are you going to do? I said, I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I opened a touch of class uh -huh. that summer. And now we had two businesses between the uh, Pedro's my wife was running, and I was running a touch of class. So that's another step that was in Jackson. So... And, and from there, you know, we made a move from upstairs. And we were lucky. We were so lucky because my wife and everybody, I, I am an engineer. So I said, this location is bad. I mean, we shouldn't take it. Mm -hmm. The stairs goes past our door. It doesn't work for business. My wife kept saying, no, take it. It's good. I like this store. It's like by feeling. And I said, no, it doesn't work. You know, like I'm an engineer. I'm the smart guy. So I end up taking this store, right? Mm -hmm. What your wife wants. And uh, with our luck, we start, we had Crystal. With our luck, the shootout was downstairs. The sun in the evening would hit the crystal. Everybody in the shootout would see that crystal. And after the shootout, they'll come up the stairs looking for that store. Wow. <laughs> it's like, uh -huh. so anyway. Uh, Nature was your best marketer. Yes, yes. Yeah, luck. That shows you how much do you know it and how much life gives you. you mm -hmm. And so, why to listen to your wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a good friend of ours, Gene Downer, and um, talking about Jackson, I'm going to go back and say a few things. Jackson, really, it's a beautiful place, but really the most beautiful thing in Jackson is the people. Mm -hmm. People who live here are quality. They're willing to leave everything behind them to move here. And... Uh, just like us, most of the people are. And Gene Downer was a great guy. He owned a big store, beautiful big store. You should see that bookstore. It was like uh, close to a uh, 7,000 square foot bookstore. That's a big bookstore. In Jackson at that time, yes. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, we're talking uh, uh, about uh, 80, 
And his wife, Laura, the owner of that location, when the bookstore fell out and left, they gave us the first option to move to the front and was still there for the last, what, 35 years or so. So we did a touch of class. It's a business uh, that it's a, we were number one dealer in North America selling Swarovski crystal. Wow. From Jackson Hole. That's and, amazing. And we built it. We built that business customer by customers, mm-hmm. and and you know people really related to us because they they it's it's kind they got bought this little gift that reminded them of us and and I loved it because to me it was doing business I wasn't worried how much money you're gonna end up but I was like with that idea I want this old lady after she leaves here. Two months later to say, wow, that Jim in Jackson, you know, I wish him well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's those little thought that you built. So we built mail order business and that's how we did it. And uh, so about five, six years later, uh, I'm the type of a guy I do things for five years, then I get bored. <laughs> okay. okay. And just like you sa- said when we were talking off the, uh, of the microphone before, I uh, decided to do something else. So serving the community was one of the things that started, you know. I enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed being in the Lions Club and do what, what the Lions did, uh, serving the community and... Uh, and uh, other things came up, you know, uh, leadership program, uh, Jackson Hole leadership. Uh, and after that, a lot of stuff came up. Farmer's market on the square and I don't know. Any... And you served as county commissioner? Yes, I, I served as a county commissioner for four years. I And I enjoyed it. It was uh, to me... I loved it because I would separate my business and my business need and my family need from the community need. And and uh, it all started really with, with the farmer's market when I... I remember going to a leadership, uh, some kind of a, a workshop, and uh, I was sitting in the library and I was talking about the community and uh, Jerry Rankin uh, got up and he... He said, uh, Jim, what community are you talking about? I mean, there is no community anymore. And and I started thinking, I said, it was that time when Jackson was really opening up and a lot of people coming from outside and it became the circles. Call it like the art circle, the wildlife circle, the environmental circle, the music festival circle, all those circles that... People came in and, you know, figured their way and gave big donation and they became important in that circle. So Jackson was totally divided into circles. And I felt like the community needs something to bring the people together. You need something for everybody. And uh, so uh, through a leadership program, I was on the Chamber of Commerce board for I don't know, seven years, six years. So I felt 
farmers market could do that and uh, and that was like the first battle in public because the mayor at that time thought it's a stupid idea my neighbor challenged me said nothing grows in jackson hmm. and and i played that you know uh, so i decided to do a farmer's market and I was in a leadership program and I asked, I said, I'm going to do a farmer's market. Who's willing to help? And two hands came up. When that happened, I said, oh shit, I'm in trouble now. Uh, I have to make it. Uh -huh. Excuse me. <laughs> so now I'm committed. So went to the planning board trying, how would you do a farmer's market to succeed in a community that is so divided? Mm -hmm. So the first year I remember I sat and I said, okay, we need on the board, everybody from everywhere. So we tried to get the school teacher, the real estate guy on it, the artist, just to give you an idea who was on it. Terry Royce, school teacher. Dan Thomas, my school teacher in Kelly. Mm -hmm. uh, real estate guy was uh, Rob Cheek. Mm -hmm. uh, artist and, you know, Steve Dinia. And on and on. New Chip Marvin. Is, uh, he was into internet and, and uh, social media and things like this. People, they didn't know each other. I didn't know them even. Created a committee of about 13 people. And we got together and we started a farmer's market. So it wasn't easy because the mayor didn't like it, like I mentioned before. Uh, they didn't want to hear music 9 o'clock. That's too early to wake up people on Saturday. And guess what? They approved it with no music. The first market happened, guess what? Music was up. <laughs> I mean, legally, I could have been in jail for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, so, and, uh, more, and that's how. And it was challenged, but it was fun. I remember sitting on the phone trying to get farmers as far as slogan hmm. to come up here and bring their fruits and produce. Mm -hmm. So, and luckily, I, it, it did work itself and... Uh, and farmer's market became it's a community thing and a lot of people i get a thank for that it's not just jim darwish that's what i was i was talking about the community the the people who really makes things happen and sometimes people don't get recognized and like i mentioned to you of the there is a lot of people are heroes and they do a lot of work you don't hear of their names but they really do some of those people uh ariel mann uh, maybe you know her mm -hmm. chip marvin uh, Norman Miller, who's an accounting, old-fashioned, people know him in this valley, but he's the quiet guy, you know. John Bigner and and J John Anselmo, Anselmo, she poured forth in the park. So a lot of people, Terry Royce, who had the uh, former uh, summit school principal, and on and on. Dan Thomasma, of course, till today. Dan Thomasma has put so much work to bring music to the farmer's market every week. He's still doing it till today. Mm -hmm. It's it's a great people. And the same thing when you go to the Lions Club. You know, mm -hmm. it's those people like uh, like uh, Michael uh, Schratz and, oh, and, and his wife. And his wife, okay. And his wife, uh, man, she's going to kill me if I do ah. <laughs> okay, uh, Claudia, uh, Claudia Schratz, uh, Jill, Jill uh, Callaway, you know, and on and on, you know, Zia Yazrobi. All those people that they really put their hearts out for the community. It's, mm -hmm. it's unbelievable. It is all about, I, I'm so with you that it's all about people. And for any 
place where anybody's living, wherever anybody's listening is, it just takes an idea and to get some folks together, just like you did for the farmer's market. And now that's been going on how many years? Farmer's market was 2001. So this is the, uh, the 20th year. Mm-hmm. 20 years yes. for that farmer's market. And uh, farmer's <clears throat> market, it's it's uh, the way it was built. It's still till today. Farmer's market, I don't know if people know. All the money, it's on the voluntary system. The people who have both, they pay 10%, and that 10% goes to the nonprofit. So every week there is a different nonprofit. Mm-hmm. They get that money. That's wonderful. So, so the farmer's market, what's really great about it from day one, I used to call it zero budget, which means if it's meant to happen, it will happen. If not, we're not going to just build it with money and influence and advertisement and things like that still till today the money that runs the market it's from the sales of few bags and very little money no salaries that to, to talk about or anything is it's really very uh, what do you call it it's uh, organic organic mm-hmm. very organic uh, it's it's a great lot of uh, entrepreneurs started there like Persephone Persephone started at the farm. Sweet Cheeks Meats. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Meats. Yeah, I remember them setting up there too. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And on and on. It's really, it's a great thing. Uh, and, and, but again, it's really the people who were doing it and the people who came and supported it. It's a, I'll, I'll never forget that. It's, it's a, the community is a great community. They really, it's, it's special. This place is special. Well, you and your family have had a very important impact in this community. And I think it's wonderful that you that you identify that to be a part of it you had to get out there and and um, participate it wasn't just owning a business it wasn't just raising your children but you're out there participating like you mentioned the lions club rotary club being a part of the chamber board and serving with county commissioners you you gave back to what you saw was important and helped you um, live a full life we're truly in life People think they own things. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. What really is in life is all ours. What you do, even right now in this interview, you're doing beautiful things that if people listen to it, they're going to enjoy it. They're going to remember it. Is it really yours? No, it's, it's for every, them. It's, it's their memories. It's everybody. The mm-hmm. same thing, the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, our businesses. The same thing. When we do things, we do things that it's what's the... What's the community gonna gonna be part of it? How it gonna be? For example, the hotels when we did Hotel Jackson, that was uphill battle, unbelievable, for a guy never own a hotel, never run a hotel, never work in a hotel. Okay, don't have a lot of money, you know. To we did the hotel, it happens, and and we got approvals and we finally build it regardless. But we thought, okay, how are you gonna be? have the community part of this hotel. Okay, so we took a chance. We took uh, figs and we said, we're going to do Lebanese food. That gives Finally. reason. Finally, Lebanese yeah. food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that gives reason for the locals to come and, you know, be part of the hotel. And, and we love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we want this place to be for the locals. It's not, it's not just a business and just for, you know. And... What an experience for the visitor who stays in the hotel and for the local mm-hmm. to intermingle and see each other and be in the under the same roof in the same place, you know, uh, next to each other on the tables that they're sitting down and having. 
breakfast or lunch. It's a great, it's a great thing to be. So you and Safa have lived very full lives and now you have grandchildren who are being raised here in Jackson. What would you like to say to people who are listening today? You know, life is full of challenges. You've, you saw many challenges. When they feel as though they're faced with a challenge, what helped you and Safa overcome that challenge to proceed on, to keep going? It's really all about lifestyle. And I would say it's all about accepting and sharing and being part of different, you know, diverse people. I think we have to know and believe that people in this valley are great people, regardless of uh, their approach, their political views, regardless of where they come from, regardless, people have a lot of good qualities in them. And I think we should act always in a way that don't forget that the other person is valuable, even if we have the power to do things, especially I'm talking about politics. When, when you are in position, you're running the town. They're all good people. They all mean well, but also we should run it for everybody, not for just one part. We all complete each other. We all balance each other. I love it. I love it about Jackson is that to me, there is no fear. There is a balance. Uh, and and uh, always that balance shows up. If it's uh, business versus environment, if it's uh, right versus left, uh, it's, it's a great place to be. And a lot of intelligent people. And we should really treasure each other. So true. And I think... I feel that we can all reflect upon that. You, you see it in Rotary too, yeah, don't you? Absolutely. Yes, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah, we can we can treasure each other. Yeah. We can have differences. Yes. But and, and then at the end of the day, um, when this conversation is over, to make sure that you can respect and treasure each other. Well said. I appreciate that. This has been wonderful. I can't thank you enough that you took the time out of um, away from your family and away from uh, what you do every day and sharing with us all some insight and means a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thanks to you for uh, providing the platform and uh, putting your energy and uh, part of your life to keep the history of Jackson whole alive. Uh, I I really appreciate that. And uh, I appreciate, I'm sure you are, you've been part of this community for a long time, you and your family. And uh, you you protect this valley as much as everybody else. And uh, this is Jackson home. And, uh, you know, uh, we are fortunate to be here. And uh, let's hope one thing happen, which miracle that keeps our kids, give our kids chance to stay here. Mm -hmm. Which we know this is, it's becoming impossible when you see real estate prices and things like that. Uh, but maybe this is the, uh, this beautiful valley has to, you know, people have to come and go. So better people, always good people come back and share it. So That's right. It's an ebb and flow. Yeah. Yeah. And the mountains will always be here. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Thanks Jim. for the mountain. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. To learn more about Jim and his interesting life here in Jackson Hole, 
please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com episode 107. For all of you listeners out there, please get out there and give us some five-star ratings. Share this episode. Tell your friends, families, grandmas, moms about it. We love people sharing and giving us five-star reviews. Many thanks to everybody who keeps this episode going each week. Michael Morey, my marketing and editor. My wife, Laura. The boys, Lewis and William. And everybody who tunes in every single week. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode. And I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection. <laughs>